Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Crypto Hipsters Podcast, where I interview founders and co-founders, entrepreneurs and artists, executives and stay-at-home hipsters in crypto and blockchain around the world. And I have an amazing podcast for you today. Let's get to it. Today I have I have a very amazing guest. Um, I interviewed the CEO of, or co-founder of this company back in April or May, and um, I want to talk to this man today. Uh, my guest is Scott Harrigan. He's the CEO of Securitized Markets, um, and we're going to find out how that fits into Securitize and, and what that's all about. So. Um, without further ado, um, Mr. Harrigan, welcome to the show today. Hey, Jamil, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Um, so let's kick things off and, and ask you, what's the first question is this? Uh, what is your background and is it a logical background for what you're doing now? Yeah, so um, my background is in traditional financial markets, right? So after graduating college, I went to work for a really large bank. Uh, the name of the bank was Bankers Trust Company. It's actually not around anymore. It was acquired by another big bank, Deutsche Bank. Uh, and so I spent a good part of my early career at, at Bankers Trust. From there, I went to Merrill Lynch, where I worked you know, for a number of years running a couple of really large business lines for Merrill Lynch. And then Merrill Lynch actually sold one of the businesses that I ran to a really large transfer agent called ComputerShare. And I spent many years in the large transfer agent market at ComputerShare. And so my background, you know, I've had the opportunity to see the financial markets through a number of lenses from through a big bank lens, through a broker lens, and through a large transfer agent lens. And so I think that, you know, after those three experiences, I went finally into the startup world, which it was super different for me after working at traditional financial services companies. And I joined in 2017, a company called Carta. Um, Carta was a sort of hyper growth startup in the equity management space. And I ran a large market business for Carta, which really sort of indoctrinated me into the startup world. Um, spent two years at Carta. And then I met Carlos Domingo and Jamie Finn. Uh, you had mentioned Jamie as one of the co-founders. He's the president and Carlos is the CEO. I met them and was really intrigued by what it was that they were doing here at Securitize. Uh, and so in 2020, joined the firm and have been here for a couple of years now. Great. Yes, I interviewed Jamie. That was a fascinating conversation. And I still don't get, you know, um, the impact of what you guys do. But I wanted to find out first, um, you know, and I want to get into transfer agency. But I want to find out first the, the uh, relationship between securitized and securitized markets how they differ and what, how your organization fits into the overall structure. Sure, sure. And so actually I'll take a step back because Securitize as the parent company actually uh, manages three separate entities sort of under the umbrella, right? The first is Securitize Transfer Agent. 
And that's the entity that actually handles all of the actual digitization or securitization of assets. So not only do we digitize or create the security token, but then we also act as the transfer agent for that security. The second entity is Securitized Markets, and Securitized Markets is a registered broker dealer and an alternative trading system. And so, you know, actually it works in tandem with the transfer agent business, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that. But the third entity is something that we call Securitized Capital, which is our investment advisor arm. And that part of our business creates all sorts of unique proprietary products that securitize markets, in some cases, lists for uh, sale on, on the ATS. Got it. I think I got it. So I'm going to ask you first about the securitization piece. Um, what is the role of securitization in, in, in crypto right now? Yeah, yeah I, I think we're at, a, a, it's a great question because I, I think we're at a, a unique point, right, in the evolution of this industry, right? And so when you think about Securitize, right, since the beginning, since its inception, Securitize has always been focused on working within the regulatory rails, right? So Securitize at first decided that they wanted to register with the SEC as a transfer agent, and then ultimately we acquired a broker dealer and an ATS, which now has us regulated by FINRA, right? So on both sides of our businesses, we're sort of, you know, working within very clearly defined rails set by both the SEC um, and FINRA. On the outside of that, you've had a whole bunch of other firms, right, in the DeFi space and within the crypto space that have been acting in an unregulated way. And I think we're starting to come to the point where it's becoming clear to everyone operating in both spaces that, that there's an intersection that's coming. And so there's, as the SEC continues to look at the crypto and blockchain space in general, I think that there's a feeling that there, there is regulation coming. Now, we're not clear on exactly what that means. Um, and it could take multiple forms, but but we do know that that something is coming. And so I think securitization in general plays a huge role, right? Because I think that, you know, having guidelines for how you take traditional assets and securitize them in a compliant way will become the standard, right? Now, securitize in some ways is acting as an exception, doing this all within regular securities related guidelines. Um, but I think you're going to start to see that transition more and more to that environment. And so I think, you know, we're very well positioned, given the fact that our founders have had the foresight to to know that ultimately becoming regulated and getting the right licenses to do this stuff would ultimately become, you know, more the norm and not the exception. So I think Securitize stands well positioned to help, you know, issuers and other providers in the space as these regulations become clearer. Securitize, I think, is uniquely positioned in this space, right? Because as, you know, securitization of assets in general starts to, to become more mainstream, which it will, um, Securitize operating within the guidelines 
that both the SEC and FINRA have determined to be appropriate for this space positions us well um, against some of the other crypto or DeFi platforms that up until now haven't had clarity related to uh, the regulatory side of the equation. And so I think, you know, Securitize is, is very well positioned both as a transfer agent and as a broker dealer and ATS to capitalize, um, you know, as the adoption of this becomes more prevalent in 2022 and beyond. Great. And I have a follow up there. I wrote an article back in August saying that I thought that maybe um, that maybe the uh, DeFi space will be taken over by institutions instead of by, you know, retail uh, and there'll be an exodus of DeFi developers. Uh, this past weekend, uh, one of the top DeFi developers have, has completely abandoned crypto, Andre Conge. Um, and I want to see, you know, how you see the future of DeFi playing out if you think it's going to be all institutions a year or two from now. Yeah, you know, I, it, it's hard to predict, right? I, I think that what, what you'll continue to see happen is you'll you'll start to see, I think, players fall out as you've talked about, right? And I think that, you know, for those of us that have, you know, worked, you know, with regulators, um, I mean, this stuff's not easy, right? Like we have been in the process of trying to get, you know, approvals, you know, let's use an example, right? It took us, I think it was close to six months or so to get a CMA approved. And a CMA is a document that you sort of appeal to FINRA to change your business model and allow you to do certain functions as a broker dealer. And, you know, the, the compliance that's required to operate within these guidelines is, is really difficult. And so I think that when people really come to understand the, the effort and not only the effort, but the cost in terms of trying to do this in a regulatory compliant way, you know, I'm not surprised that we'll start to see some attrition right from the space. And I think in a way that's, that's good because, you know, we'll be left with providers that, that understand what it takes in order to operate in the space. And, and I think the, the other important point to make here is as we move towards a more compliant environment in general, it's really great, right? Because what we're trying to do in order to drive adoption in digital asset securities is to build trust. And, you know, when you look at an investor who doesn't quite understand this stuff, but they can look at a website and see that the company that they're dealing with is regulated by the SEC, is regulated by FINRA, has clearly defined rules that they need to follow. Now you're starting to build some confidence among investors operating in this space. And that's good for every one of us that are operating here. That makes a lot of sense those thank you um so that's the first part we talked about securitization now transfer agency um what is the value proposition for transfer agencies in the digital asset industry you know including the ability to, to trade using them yeah so i think i think i'd point to just to sort of start that conversation is is in 2019 right the sec and finra they sort of did this joint statement and it spoke to 
you know, the broker dealer and the custody of digital asset securities. But within that joint statement, they also talk specifically about transfer agents. Um, and as part of helping protect customers, which is really what this joint statement was about, the, the SEC and FINRA actually said that transfer agents have the right to act as what they called good control locations for digital asset securities. And in essence, good control location could be used in the same terminology as custodying of those assets. So acting as the custodian of digital asset securities. And so when you think about the securitized ecosystem, right, is so with the transfer agent, so we, we mint the digital asset security, we create the smart contract that governs all of the compliance related rules of that security. So as an example, if there's a holding period where that security cannot be sold, if there is a certain investor limit, so if you can only have 99 investors, we build the smart contract technology to support those requirements. And then as the transfer agent, we continue to monitor all that and make sure that it's all correct. Now, on the trading side of it, which was back to your original question, as our ATS interacts with our transfer agent platform, it has a real-time perspective into if Jamil has 100 shares, it knows in real time that you have those 100 tokens to sell. It can also tell whether or not they're free and clear to trade based on any restrictions that they might have. And then what's really cool about our platform is if someone does decide that they want to sell their tokens on our ATS and someone else buys those tokens, as the transfer agent, there's real-time settlement, meaning that the buyer and the seller's records would be updated in real time on our platform. And so an issuer can go in and at any moment see a real-time vision of the cap table. Now, this is so unique compared to traditional financial markets where you know, there's a traditional settlement period for someone goes to Fidelity and buys a stock you know, you don't see the settlement of that security for a couple of days. In this world, we're able to do all that stuff in real time, right? So the transfer agent really acts as a conduit to both settle securities transactions, but more importantly, to continue to maintain all of those compliance related requirements for the life of the security. Got it, interesting. I worked at AIG for a long time. And I dealt with the settlements uh, teams. I, I didn't work at settlements, but I understood it. This is this is really cool. <laughs> that is it's real time. Um, thank you. So I want to ask you. I want to ask you about that investment arm too. But first, I want to ask you. You led the Securitize's recent acquisition of Pacific tra uh, Stock Transfer, right? Um, and what could be considered, I guess, that could be considered early M and A. There've been other tokens who have captured other platforms but this is, looks like a real m a deal you know to me so how did the acquisition go and what lessons were learned 
I, I like your categorization of it as early M&A, right? I think one of the publications, in fact, said something about blockchain going after Wall Street, um, which I thought was a unique perspective. But, you know, the acquisition was, wasn't an easy one, right? Is I, I think when you first approach a traditional financial services company, you know, now this company that we had acquired had been in business for 38 years. Um, so it had been around a while. It was sort of operating in, you know, what we all know to be a very antiquated industry that hasn't changed much over the past 30 years or so. And so now here comes this really small startup, blockchain, crypto. And so, of course, you know, on the part of ownership, uh, you know, of the uh, target, you know, there's certainly some question, right, when you have a company like ours approaching a traditional company to, to try and convince them that this is a really good thing to do. So so I think that part of it, you know, um, was a little bit challenging, I think. But but as the ownership team, you know, had the opportunity to get to know us and learn more about us and then really understand the advantages that we would bring to their customer base. I think it became clearer that that this was a really good transaction that sort of was going to drive this industry forward in a meaningful way. Um, you know, the, the, the traditional transfer agents, the big ones, you know, the computer shares, the ASTs, you know, they, they've been talking about implications of blockchain for many years you know they formed committees they have all sorts of industry events and they and they talk about you know moving registered shareholder assets to the blockchain but but no one's done anything and you know what was cool for me is joining securitize i had been at a traditional agent and sort of had you know heard the same conversations but never saw any action and then coming to securitize and recognizing that we already had a couple of hundred customers that had these assets on the blockchain and were holding shareholder assets in their own personal wallets saw that you know we weren't only talking about it we were doing it and so i think you know we're super excited because we think that the acquisition of pacific stock transfer really starts to push us down the path of implementing what others have been talking about for a long time. Um, and it makes us a top 10 transfer agent in the United States in terms of size. So now we're supporting over 3,000 companies, you know, 1.2 million investor accounts. And so, you know, this acquisition has really launched our firm forward in our ability to, to do what a lot have talked about, which is, you know, moving this stuff to the blockchain and and really changing the way a really antiquated industry, you know, works going forward. So uh, you looked at it through, and they have substantial turnaround experience. So were you looking at this as a as a as a turnaround? And and what what role could turnaround have in crypto going forward? Yeah, you do have to look at it as turnaround, right? Because I think that when you think about any acquisition, right, you think about it from what assets you can bring to the acquisition and what assets it can bring to you as a company, right? And so I think when we looked at this acquisition and we looked at the number of issuers and the number of investors 
clearly that's a huge draw for us because you know we can now deliver multiple products and services to these customers that they just haven't had access to in the past. And that includes our ATS, our alternative trading system. A number of the securities are, you know, haven't traded in a while, haven't had venue to trade. And so we'll have the ability to bring some exciting new product and service, um, you know, to those customers. On the flip side, you know, what they bring to us is an incredible amount of expertise, subject matter expertise. And so the team that we acquired has been in this business for years, um, has deep domain expertise. And I think when you think about it from sort of a turnaround perspective, you think, how do we put the best of both worlds together to create a really incredible product going forward? And so for us, it's taking all of that expertise that this team has formed over the years and combining it with this incredible technology that Securitize brings. And I think once we get that done and that integration sort of down the path, it's going to be a really powerful story uh, to tell on the street for sure. It sounds like it's shaping up to be that way, definitely. Um, awesome. So, um, but actually about the investment arm. Sure. How does the invest? How does that investment arm work um, for the and what unique products are being created? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so securitized capital. You know, the primary role there is to create product that sort of democratizes access. And sometimes that word is somewhat overused, but in this case, totally makes sense is democratizes access to products that might necessarily before have been limited to institutions, right? And so, you know, uh, recently, I think it was a couple months back or so, we announced a, uh, a partnership with Standard & Poor's um, where we rolled out two, two funds, under securitized capital, uh, one large cap crypto index fund um, and something called Kensho New Economies, which has like really cool technology like flying cars and a whole bunch of unique things. But two index funds that S&P uh, was interested in tokenizing, right? So S&P traditionally would, would offer standard ETFs and you know they were interested in how do we sort of start to go down the path of tokenization of some of these assets and so you know we've agreed to do a series of co-branded funds with S&P um, first of two which are live now on our platform but more to come over the next couple months and so you know securitized capital would do that securitized capital is also looking at other fund um, options that would take other funds that would really be, you know, sort of uh, only available to ultra high net worth individuals and make them available to Main Street, right? So it's taking the stuff traditionally only available to Wall Street and bringing it to Main Street. And so Securitized Capital will have some exciting announcements over the next couple months um, that further increase our portfolio uh, offerings. And so we're really excited about the kinds of work that Securitized Capital is doing as well. I kind of look at things in reverse. Um, there are certain cryptos that I can buy that institutions can't. 
um, because of risk tolerance or, or whatever. Um, how do you look at it? You know, that way Main Street can access and Wall Street can't. And what, what is Wall Street trying to do that Main Street can do already? Yeah, I, you know, I, it's a really interesting perspective that you just brought up, you know, is I, I really believe that, you know, we're at a point where, where those concepts are starting to intersect a little bit. I use that, that phrase before, but I, I believe that what you just said is, is really relevant, right? Because, you know, I think that from an institutional perspective, I, I think, you know, the, the, the risk element, you know, I think it, it's lack of understanding that has driven such a high risk element from the institutional side. And I think that, you know, education around some of this crypto related topic, right, is starting to, to, to really get the institutions way more comfortable and they're starting to dip their toe in in a way that we haven't observed before. And so where you had the retail investor who is really, I think, comfortable and really understands this. And of course the millennials are so used to everything being in their wallets and being able to interact with those wallets. <laughs> Whereas the traditional institutions haven't gotten there. But there's evidence, I would say, that that's starting to shift. Um, we're starting to see the really large institutions working with us just to understand this stuff, right? They, they ask really good probing questions. And so I, I really do see that intersection starting to come to light now, where I think you'll have equal interest and equal access between the institutions. Uh, you know, and the retail base on a lot of this stuff. And that's where I fit in. <laughs> so hopefully it doesn't, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't take hold. Uh, yeah. So I want to find out. Um, so along this line, you know, what do you see as the path forward for the, the digitization of U.S. equities? Yeah, um, I mean, it's going to happen. Right, this is going to happen. It's just to me, it's always thinking about the timeline. And, you know, I think that if you were to speak to people, and I've been in this business now for only a couple of years, but if you were to speak to folks, you know, that have, have been doing this for a while, you know, I think you'd hear a bunch say that they might have thought that adoption on this stuff might have been quicker than it's actually been. Um, and so I, I, I think it's hard to predict because. I think that you know it's it's sort of a momentum thing, and I think as soon as we start to see some of the larger institutions embrace, um, I think you're going to start to see the momentum, and it's going to happen quickly. So what has taken a while to sort of you know sort of move forward, I think you know it's just going to take a couple of meaningful in, uh, institutions to sort of dive in, um, which we're seeing. And then you're going to really start to see the momentum. And so I think it's inevitable. I think everyone agrees that digitization, you know, will happen. Um, no question. Uh, timing. Uh, I, I, you know, I'd love to think that 2022 will will give us a meaningful push forward in that process. And I'm remaining hopeful that it will. And you know, we're hoping that securitizes at the front end of that, um, of course. You know, but but I, you know, I 
wish that I could tell you that I knew the exact, you know, timing on that. But to me, I'm going to continue to remain diligent on educating the industry. We are speaking with large issuers every single day. We're talking about the virtues of blockchain in this crypto space and the benefits of digitization compared to traditional finance. And so, you know, we're going to continue to do our part to try and drive that adoption. Um, and we're hoping that it happens sooner than later. Great. Yeah, I think whoever can time it is going to make a lot of money. <laughs> That's the whole thing. Um, yeah. Time the market, you know. So um, anyway, I want to thank you very much for your time today. It's been a great conversation. I learned a lot. Um, you guys keep doing the great work. Um, I have one last question, and is this, how can people find out more information about you, about securitized markets, about what you do? Um, how can they be a customer? How can they do that? Yeah, I, I would encourage everybody to go to our website, securitize.io. Um, we have this really cool product called Securitize ID, which really is how you sign up to use our platform. And once you establish a Securitize ID, you can go in and sort of look at all of the products that we've talked about today. You can go into Securitize Markets and see what it is that's available in the marketplace. You know, so it, it's a great way to familiarize yourself with our company and with our offerings. Uh, so I would encourage everybody to, to go and take a look. And of course, we welcome feedback. We have the ability on our website to give us feedback. We're very actively looking at that and trying to improve our experience based on the feedback that we receive. And so, yeah, we would love folks to, to spend some time out there and, and really get to know us in a little bit more detail. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you as well.